Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The Beyond Sleep Training Podcast, a podcast dedicated to sharing real tales of how people have managed sleep in their family outside of sleep training culture because sleep looks different with a baby in the house. And because every family is different, there is no one-size-fits-all approach to take. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which this podcast is being recorded, the Kalkadoon people. I pay my respects to the elders of this nation and the many other nations our guests reside in from the past, present and emerging. We honour Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people and the unique cultural and spiritual relationships to the land, water and seas, as well as their rich contributions to society, including the birthing and nurturing of children. And welcome back to the Beyond Sleep Training Podcast. I'm your host, Carly Grubb, and with me today is one of our volunteers from the Beyond Sleep Training Project, Artie Gosrani. Welcome to the show, Artie. Thank you, Carly. Pleasure to be here. Now, Artie, I believe that you have got a different background in that you actually grew up in Britain, but you're living in the United States currently. Is that right? That is correct. Yes, I'm in Austin, Texas now, um, but born and raised in London. Excellent. So you'll be able to bring a bit of a different perspective in that we'll be able to hear how how those experiences marry up when it comes to raising your babies as well. Before we dive too far in, would you mind introducing who's who in your little family? Absolutely. I've got my husband, PK, um, who usually comes last, but I'm putting him first today. Um, and then I have Mia, my six-year-old, um, who was my first sleep thief, and uh, my little one, Ishani, three years old. Lovely. And can you tell me a little bit about how did you think you were going to handle sleep with your family before you had that first baby? 
I didn't have too many preconceptions. I have a lot of cousins and um, a lot of younger cousins. And I've seen some of my older cousins have children. And I've seen lots of different kind of sleep arrangements over time. Um, I didn't actually have too many preconceived ideas, which is probably a little bit different. We only had um, a what we call a pack and play in the United States. So I think it's the equivalent of a travel cot in the UK and Australia. We only had one of those for our first one. We didn't actually have a crib set up when she was born and she was in our room. Excellent. And so you were you planning on uh, breastfeeding or how did you think that side of feeding and sleeping was going to go? So I was planning on breastfeeding. In my head, I thought, yeah, we'll breastfeed for six months and then we'll be done with it. Um, but it never quite panned out that way. We um, we did start breastfeeding. Um, my older one was a NICU for about 48 hours. So it started pumping super early. So my supply actually benefited from that. Um, but it was the first two, three weeks were tough just trying to get her to go from the bottle and, you know, nursing. Um, we fell into a pattern with her quite quickly. Um, and she was also a really, really efficient nurser by one month, um, which kind of, you know, it's a little confusing at that point um, because you're expecting, I kept on hearing about how long it would take. Um, we settled into a nice pattern um, and she, until she was about two and a half, three months, she was actually in a good routine where she'd be up. She'd go to sleep around 11, then she'd wake up at 4. Um, so we had a decent stretch of sleep at that point. And we thought, oh, excellent. We, 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 we're going to be okay here. And then she hit her um, four-month sleep progression. <laughs> <laughs> they get so sleepy right before they hit that so often, don't they? I think it lulls you into a false sense of security, especially with your first, right? You think, oh, this is okay. I've got it down. And then, boom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it it makes you you almost feel like oh I survived that like that that bit's done now now we're into the sleeping bit and it's yeah. like hang on a second and that's like it's backed by research that's the peak um, sleepy time for most babies that's the longest they usually sleep in their first year of life is it around that three month mark and then it goes back to with all of the development that comes for the rest of that twelve months so yeah it sounds like she was bang on and you got the rude shock. Yeah, um, and I wasn't really that familiar with the concept of bed sharing at that point, and um, we were still trying to keep her in the, um, you know, keep her in the bowels and head as much as we could. Um, then we travelled over to the um, to the UK to visit family when she was about five months old. Um, and again, there were points in time where she was putting herself down for a nap, and you know, things like that. But very few and far between. Um, most of her naps for the first six months of life were contact naps, either with myself or I was really fortunate that between my mother and my mother-in-law, um, we had family support around for the first six months. Um, and everyone was happy to snuggle the baby while she was sleeping. So she she had lots of snuggles. Um, she was a 40-minute napper to the point you could time like it was perfect timing um and when my father-in-law first came to visit it was hilarious because he would be like right she's gone to sleep I've got 40 minutes to run around do all my errands and everything then she'll be up and we can play <laughs> <laughs> see he had the clockwork down pat I love it he knew yeah 
So we, she, she knew what she was doing. I had no idea because in my, in my view, I thought babies were supposed to nap for like two hours at a time, <laughs> you know. So, um, I had quite a few misconceptions just based on all the stuff that we see out there. Um, but I, I grew up, um, bed sharing with, um, my, my mom, like my mom and dad, and then, um, also with my grandmother, who I spent a lot of time with when I was little. So the idea of like sharing, you know, it was, kind of a natural thing to do with um Nia we ended up the eight to ten months was sheer madness um I went back to work when she was eight months so that coupled with the fact that and over here in the states it's like it's not a slow transition into it you know I was lucky I had the eight months um but I went back to work and she was going, you know, she, she was already crawling by the time I went back. And then she was trying to learn how to walk and talk and eat and everything. And eight to 10 months was the worst. And that's when we started actually bed sharing because it meant that I was able to get a little more sleep. And I guess too, if you've been separated from her for that whole day, it helps you reconnect, doesn't it? When you've had yeah. to, it bridges that separation as well for both of you. Yeah, really? Absolutely. Um, I was lucky um, in the fact that most of the time I was going to be working from home, but I did have to go from not going in at all to going in for two weeks straight. And I had a four-hour commute every day oh, on the days I was oh, traveling. Yeah, I, I was sort of lugging everything around with my pump and, you know, all those things. But, um, yeah, it was it was a tough transition. It was a really hard transition for all of us. Um, and sleep really kind of suffered through that. But um, we just, you know, once we started bed sharing, it made it easier. And did you, so when you started bed sharing, was it like a conscious decision or did you find you were just uh, finding yourself asleep with her? Like, were you able to set yourself up safely or did that kind of come afterwards? So I started looking at what the safest options were and um, I found the concept of the floor bed. Um, and we had a we had her room next to her. So she was crawling and she was standing and everything. So, you know, the pack and play was long gone. Um, and we had bought a crib for her by that point. We picked up, um, you know, sort of the Ikea crib that we thought something that would work. And she was okay in there for certain naps and stuff. But by the nighttime, she just wanted to be snuggled up. But... I was less scared about bed sharing by that point because she was, you know, she was mobile. And um, it's probably me who's going to come out with an injury at that point <laughs> by the morning. Um, so it was it was a conscious decision. Um, and we, the safest way I figured was to put the you know mattress on the floor. Um, we had carpeted like room, so it was okay. Um and she would start the night in the crib and then once she kind of woke up for her first because that would give me a little bit of space in the evening just to get other stuff done and then once she was um once she was you know beyond like 11 o'clock when I was going to bed I would just join her at that point lovely and did you find that like was that a good way to maximize your sleep were you getting more rest once you started doing that yeah, I think uh, for her, knowing that I was close definitely helped. And she was still quite a quick nurser in the night. So she would only need to um, nurse maximum five minutes and then just snuggle. Um, so uh, that definitely helped at that point. Um, 
And, you know, the, I was having a conversation and we had a pediatrician who, who mentioned sleep training and things like that around six months, but he never really pushed it. And he always said, she'll figure it out eventually. That's actually amazing considering you're in the US. That's not what we hear from most of our US members, is it? No, it, it really isn't. And we were pretty lucky in that respect. Um, the, they, they weren't for bed sharing um, and I wasn't as open about it at that point point um you know we just said yeah she had a safe sleep space which was true because it was a safe sleep but um we had a firm mattress um yeah he, he was he never pushed us onto the sleep training um dialogue which was helpful that is really helpful and it's also it's refreshing for people to know that too because sometimes it feels like every person you're coming across is pushing that agenda but actually there's there's lots of uh, professionals out there who are already aware that there's a range of ways to support families that don't necessarily push them down that sleep training path so I'm really pleased that you were able to score one of those right when you needed it too which is great yeah definitely (laughs) so during the day what was sleep like during the day through this period so um until she, when I was at home with her, um, she would, when she would, I think she started off on about five naps, you know, her 40 minute naps. And then um, every now and again, she would do like longer naps. She didn't really drop down to one nap until she started daycare. And, um, you know, then she started like consolidating. Um, but outside of her being sick or just, you know, if we'd been traveling, I don't think she ever did more than a two hour nap in one shot or maybe there was one like two and a half hour nap that we got but that was it yeah um so daytime sleep was short contact naps um for the most part and so did you have like baby wearing as a tool back then or was it purely like a sit down chill out session with her on someone's chest luckily the former um with her um i I would put her in the carrier like when we were out and about, but you know, when it's one child, it's easier. And you kind of, I just kind of binged out the Netflix sort of thing. So I'm um, just kind of making the most of that. Um, I was in a lucky position to be able to do it. Yeah, but it is also, it's like an opportunity to rest. Like I, I know with my first really wakeful guy, like that was actually once I figured out that, oh, hang on a sec, like that's my chance to sit down. And Mm -hmm. even if I'm not asleep, let my body rest. It's a great way to let yourself actually get through that period. And like you say, with your first one, you can do that. So why not take those opportunities while you can? So you were back at work around eight months. You said it was really rough sleep-wise around eight to 10. Um, How did it kind of pan out from from then into toddlerhood for her? I think so. She started um, daycare when she was just over a year old. And then because she was in daycare, she went down to one nap, I think probably somewhere between 15 and 18 months. Gosh, it's like a long time ago. It um, blurs in, doesn't it? It really <laughs> does. Um, you kind of forget at that time, you know, if you haven't, I, I used to have an app, um, which I used with her from quite early on, but more as a tracking tool rather than dictating tool per se um you know just so that I would remember like which side did I feed her on or when did we lost it would change because those things you forget um in the heat of it but um yeah so we just um we kind of continued on that um and then 
we were able to bed share, like my husband and I would do split shifts when I was back at work full time and stuff. So, you know, he'd be able to take over a beginning portion of the night and stuff. We night weaned um, about 18, 19 months. Um, and then she she always wants someone to sit with her. Um, you know, it's not until she was closer to probably five that it was okay to kind of, she'd go to sleep by herself. Um, but it was our time to reconnect. And even now, you know, kind of that time before bedtime, like the snuggles and the reading and catching up and chit-chatting and asking all the meaningful questions, like, why did your ass have long X? Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, yeah, that's that's kind of how it panned out with her. That's beautiful. But, and I think that's something for people to be mindful of too, because sometimes it feels like bedtime can be a bit of a rush to get out of there. But if you can actually take it as the it's actually a really brief moment in what can be very hectic days and schedules and whatnot, where it can just give you the chance to slow down and be with your babies. Because I know that for me with my school age people as well, like they still love to have someone in there. Um, not always until they're completely asleep, but at least when they're doing that first settle into getting comfy in bed and whatnot. Um, and it's, it could seem like a chore and I think sometimes when you've got other things waiting for you, it can feel like it drags out. But really, it's a, it's a great call to just be mindful of that moment and be present with them for that short amount of time, reconnect, and often it means much smoother bedtime or it does in our house anyway. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I, I mean, I enjoy it. You know, we've had some of the most fun conversations and doing the stories and all that. And I think it's it's an important part. And, you know, for me, when I go back to my childhood memories, I still remember like when I used to sleep over with my grandmother and stuff like that, like she'd, she'd tuck me in, we'd say our prayers together and then she'd like snuggle. And then I still remember that. And I think it's such powerful memories and so much love in those moments. I love that. It's imprinted on your soul. It really is. <laughs> That's beautiful. And you can give that to your children. So I love that. Now I'm just thinking, so we've heard how, how your first love went. What was it like welcoming your second babe to the family? So um, she came when her sister was three years and one day old. Um, and that was Wow, close time. to sharing a birthday. Almost. <laughs> very, very close to it. I'm really glad they don't. Um, but she, um, the older one didn't. She wasn't sleeping by herself at that point. Uh, my mom came over to help out um, from London. And um, when we were in hospital, I was so worried, you know, because she's so huge. She, that was the first time I was not in the same building as her overnight. And it was hard. Um, But she did amazingly. And my mom just, um, she told her exactly where she was. And, you know, in the night, if she gets up, she knew where to walk to and all that kind of stuff. Um, and my mom coached up with her if she needed to snuggle at night. Um, and then we came home with the little one and the little one, um, she slept, we had the crib already set up because we were in a different house when we had it, but we had already set it up as a sidecar because um, we knew about that by that point. Um, and we had the crib, you know, the Ikea crib that's very easy to pull apart and put up like that. Um, we never took out the pack. Well, pack and play ended up being used in um in sort of our upstairs area at that point, just in case we needed a spot to put her down because with a second child, you need somewhere to keep them safe on a more regular basis, especially when you have a preschooler running around. Who loves um, their baby very much, or they did in our house. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. The the second one, um, she loved her naps. Um, she she could she could do her one and a half, two hour naps. Um, and I didn't have to hold her the whole time. In fact, sometimes she'd kind of like in her feet, she'd push me away. Um bizarre, I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, what is this? <laughs> Um, we had some kind of, you know, challenges nursing in the first couple of weeks as well. Just kind of, and you forget how hard it is with a newborn. So I weaned uh, my older one when I was pregnant just because I was spent all my time throwing up. So I couldn't really hold anything down. Um, so we ended up weaning. Um, but then kind of going back to the newborn and I had an, an amazing lactation consultant who came home and just kind of walked me through it. But because I was a concern about weight gain in those first two weeks. And I think it was almost an unnecessary concern looking back on it, but in the moment of it, you know, it, it kind of gets scary. But, um, and then we just transitioned. Um, so after my mom left, my husband would sleep with, um, the older one as she needed to. And then we kind of just divided and conquered in that way. And, um, we, I started bed sharing, like she was on my bed a lot earlier, um, compared to, her sister, but just because I was more comfortable with it. Um, and the other side of it is I were hearing aids. And before um, my older one was a newborn, my husband was in the room. So even if he was just tapping me on the shoulder, just to wait, you know, let me know that she's crying. Um, I had him in the room where he was off with the other one. So having her yeah. close by yeah. made a big difference um, because I could just, you know, I will say though, even though, the hearing aid thing, I would find myself always waking up about three minutes before either kid wakes up because you just know it's going to happen. And then you're leaking all over the place in those early days anyway. So, um, but it was, it was really fascinating how um, the instinct kicked in. That's amazing. And so I, I also had a similar like physical experience. I remember with my first one wondering if I was waking the baby because I always seemed to like wake just before, but you know, we did the sleep training thing. So it seemed to still happen to me, even when he was further away from me. Like it was, it must be just that connection across the physiological connection. How amazing though. So you'd sense that she was about to wake, you'd be awake and ready to feed. I love yeah. that. That's so and cool. It was really funny because, um, so when my husband was, um, with the older woman, he was, when he'd gone back to work and stuff like he used to still get up in the night and do the nappy changes and stuff and then I'd do the feeding but some nights like if I'd just woken up I'd go and I'd change her and she was completely quiet like she'd be awake a little bit but she was still quiet and he in the morning he would like you guys didn't wake up last night um but because we were able to be that quiet because I guess she just knew that we were that um yeah and it was probably just a familiar pattern to a for her as well like she'd always been so promptly responded to it's kind of like oh yeah mum's just going to do this and yeah that's beautiful that's synchrony um, isn't it it is but then my tiny terror as I like to call her sometimes um <laughs> she um I think it was I think a four month maybe around the four months from four months to 20 months she was a night terror like it was awful it was such awful sleep and like I wasn't stressing about it as much. It was just a state of perpetual exhaustion. Um, it was just hard. And there's no two ways about it, is there? Like that's the thing. If you've got a really wakeful baby, um, despite all the things that you can do for yourself, it's undeniably hard. Yeah, 
It is. Um, I was working from home. I went back when she was three weeks old, but I was only doing that. Welcome to the US. <laughs> I know this is, I just feel like we need to like just mention this for a second. For listeners in the US, just so you know, the rest of the world has got things like parental leave where you can actually spend some time recovering from labor and delivery and pregnancy and all of those things and still have secure employment at the end of it. Like the US is massively behind in terms of those policies. So I'm very sorry. You really shouldn't have needed to go back to work well, three weeks postpartum. <gasps> so I will say I, I had, um, I was supposed to take a couple of months off, but because this one napped in a day and um, I had a couple <laughs> of complications, um, which meant that I was stuck in bed. And by that point, I was sick of Netflix. Um, I wasn't doing <laughs> many hours. I was doing like four or five hours a week. Um, and it was complete. I was fortunate enough that it was completely my choice to go back and do that. And it, it, but I wouldn't have been able to do it with my first, but with the second, I think there's a different level of comfort. Um, and then my mom was here for a little while as well. And then once my mom left, um, around four months, we had a nanny who used to come home. But despite me going back to work so early, um, she was exclusively breastfed the whole time from the get-go and that was what wow. was it? um so whenever like and I'm super lucky in my role in the way that it's structured in that if I needed to step away for like an hour to go deal with the kids it's okay um and because of that flexibility that it offered me um I was happy to kind of figure the balance out um she didn't end up starting daycare until she was two which is my older one went back when I was one because I think when she was one because I was, you know, working full time. Um, but we had a very different sort of pattern to it. And she was, um, when she was awake, she was super attached to me. But with her, um, sometimes when she was napping, I would keep her in the baby carrier um, just with me just so that we could snuggle up and be close. Um, if she was having moments where she didn't want to go to sleep, like, you know, on the bed or whatever. Um, but yes, it's, it is definitely mind blowing when I talk to people, especially back in the UK and my friends there. And I was like, yeah, I went back at three weeks. <laughs> oh, like I get that. And especially like you said too, like at the time, everything was pretty chill. And so probably, but it's just that whole, I don't know. We hear so many stories of mums having to like, you know, working when they're in the maternity. Yeah. Um, hospital beds and whatnot and it's just not how it's meant to be it's inhumane treatment of someone who's just been through what a person has been through growing a whole human and then trying to nurture a tiny person and then like in your story you can sometimes come home with a really cruisy sleepy newborn who suddenly wakes up at four months yeah and no longer sleepily, happily ever after by the sound of it. So tell me, because you had a toddler, you're working. What did you actually do to try and maintain some kind of wellness through this time? So um, I did find, um, I did experience postpartum anxiety. Um, and I had a little bit of it with my older one, but I didn't really understand. I just thought maybe it's just, you know, being overwhelmed with everything being new. And then I found it kind of kicked in again with my little one. So I spoke to, um, I spoke to my, you know, OBGYN here and stuff. And I just started talking to a therapist, which was super helpful. Um, 
and just you know building in little things in the day um going for a walk kind of thing um and we i'm like we're super like 50 50 pretty much everything if he could like take my husband would happily have done it <laughs> but um he he is um you know we're very conscious about making sure each other gets some time to do other stuff as well it's it's not always work and especially with covid it's been a little intense and crazy but um we both work from home so when now when the kids are at school you know we'll make sure we kind of get stuff done like in the house and all that which is easier um but it, it does get hard, you know, not being able to sleep. Talking to, I think the biggest step for me was um, finding a group of friends. I mean, the on sleep training project as a group was phenomenal in make, just being able to realize this is okay, this is normal, this is natural. And then with the whole kind of rise of um, gentle parenting into a different way, um, I've actually made some incredible friends who I may have met virtually in the first place, but then they've become real life friends. And just being able to talk to them, you know, it's okay to vent our frustrations with each other, even if we're trying to do something differently with the kids. I love that. And because I think that's actually a huge part of the experience is because that kind of validates you. It allows you to be seen, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you're doing anything wrong or that you need to make changes you don't feel comfortable with uh, and that's kind of the support that a lot of us need when we're going through those really rough patches and I'm so glad you have a supportive partner because I think that's something that's missing in a lot of people's lives when they're going through these rough patches not having someone who can can be an effective partner and an effective buffer to make sure that wherever possible you are getting some relief because sometimes that's all you actually need to get through is that relief um, and, or, or just a, an understanding person who's who's there to back you up when you need them the most. So I'm really pleased you had that in your life. I'm looking at our time. I can't believe we're at our 30 minutes already, oh Artie. I know. Um, but before I finish up with you, because this has been a really valuable chat to people, is there a tip you would like to give to our listeners that you wish you'd been able to know when you were back in the thick of it all? Trust your instinct. You know, I I wanted to keep my little one close to me in those early days, but there's a lot of information out there that suggested, no, 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 that's not a good idea. But I think tr allowing yourself to trust your instinct, even if it's your first, is, is probably the best thing that you can do for both of you. That is very valuable advice and I don't think can ever be said enough and if you're feeling like you I know I felt at one stage with my first guy that maybe I didn't have any instincts at all um, because it was such a confusing mix at the end of the day the instincts are those things in your gut and your heart that that tug and pull and hurt when you're making a decision that doesn't feel right that's where the instincts are so if you can tap into some of that you're going to work at work in a way that feels right for you and your family so thank you so much for coming on the show Artie it's been an absolute pleasure to hear your story and thank you also for doing the volunteer work that you do with the Beyond Sleep Training Project because it's people like you who willingly come on into the group and work people right through their journey that allows us to keep this work going and moving it forward the way that we have. So thank you, Artie. Oh, thank you so much for setting it up. It, it's been an important part for so many people in that journey. So thank you for yeah. being the one to 
be the inspiration for so many. Thanks, Artie. I really hope you enjoyed the podcast today. The information we discussed was just that, information only. It is not specific advice. If you take any action following something you've heard from our show today, it is important to make sure you get professional advice about your unique situation before you proceed, whether that advice be legal, financial, accounting, medical, or any other advice. Please reach out to me if you do have any questions or if there's a topic you'd really like us to be covering. And if you know somebody who'd really benefit from listening to our podcast, please be sure to pass our name along. Also check out our free peer support group, the Beyond Sleep Training Project and our wonderful website, www.littlesparklers.org. If you'd like even more from the show, you can join us as a patron on Patreon and you can find a link for that in our show notes. If listening is not really your jam, we also make sure we put full episode transcripts on our Little Sparklers website for you to also enjoy and fully captioned YouTube videos as well on our Little Sparklers channel. So thanks again for listening today. We really enjoy bringing this podcast to you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.